0: Good morning. It's June the 12th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. We've reached Ezra chapters 1 and 2 today, and that is a major division in the progression of the history of the Old Testament. We've seen the kings of Israel. The kings are over with Zedekiah in the southern kingdom. They've been hauled off to the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. A whole generation now has passed. That was in 586 B.C. And now we see Babylon no longer the world power, but the Medo-Persians are in charge. Cyrus, the king of Persia, is going to now decree in chapter 1 of Ezra that they are allowed to come back and re re-inhabit the land. Now, remember, a lot of the people in captivity, uh, they weren't interested in coming back. I mean, it was gonna, going to be a hard, tough road. It was rough sledding, if you will, to be in that land, to rebuild that Uh, temple and then to rebuild the walls in Nehemiah. So that's what we see in Ezra. Ezra is a book about the rebuilding of the temple and Nehemiah is a book about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And that basically takes us to the end of the Old Testament as we see um, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi at the end of our Old Testament reading will fit right into this period of time in the post-exilic period, we call it, after the exile of 70 years. So chapters one and two, critical. The uh, Persians allow the... um, children of Abraham to come back to the land and re-inhabit Jerusalem. We see them go back and a list of names in chapter two. Sounds like we're back in the first nine chapters of Chronicles, uh, first Chronicles, but this is uh, very important. You can imagine if your name was a part of this group in the tens of thousands of people that were allowed to come back to Israel. So this is a very important section, a pivotal section in our reading. Our New Testament reading, we are in the second half of John chapter 19. Jesus is right here killed, but just before he is, he says to John, I want you to take care of Mary, and Mary, this is now your new son, John, so to speak. You're to care for each other, and um, that's a dramatic scene. You can only imagine paintings have been painted of that scene. It, uh, so dramatic as Mary has to watch uh, Jesus, her son, die on this cross, and uh, just an amazing, uh, heart-wrenching scene. He says he thirsts, Then you remember they come and they bring him something on a stick, and he refuses it. The other Gospels make clear that that uh, deadening of the pain was something that Jesus was not willing to do and uh, he was going to incur the full force of the justice of God on our behalf. And then he cries out that word that is translated, it is finished here in John chapter 19, Uh, the Greek word tetelestai. You've heard us talk about that so many times through the years because that is a word of a financial transaction being completely settled and our sins were paid in full. As Colossians says, as Paul makes clear, that uh, transaction took everything that was hostile against us because of the law of sin and death, the punishment we deserve, From our sins and it was paid for completely by the death of Christ this is why we know that Christ did not go then and suffer in hell as some people wrongly think uh, or that there was more to be done in your salvation in burning off your sins in an imaginary place called purgatory we know that because of this statement right here it is finished that we are fully qualified as Colossians 1 says for the inheritance that we're going to get in the saints of light and so this is the just the apex of that story. As a matter of fact, there's something very interesting in this text, and we won't take time to get into it here. But if there's a uh, interesting phrase there about water coming out of the side of Jesus, water and blood, and he makes that seem like this is a real big deal, like a miraculous thing, which I would say is not just as some have speculated, the pericardium or some kind of clear fluid coming out that would come out of any dead person's body or dying person's body. Uh, I don't think that's the case. As a matter of fact, if you want more on that, you can go look up this. Sermon, and you can type in there 11 13, I think is the sermon 11 13, or just search for Water from the Rock. It was a Good Friday service where I tried to explain that this, I think, is far more than just some kind of medical description. This is part of a uh, reference to the importance of the cleansing work of God that He'd promised through the prophets in the death of Christ. So that's a fascinating section. Our community imperative today is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 actually through 9 but let me read verse 6 it says now we command you brothers in the name of the lord jesus christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us and what is specific here about the tradition is that paul was going to work he says in verse 7 uh, you yourselves know how we ought, how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle we weren't lazy we weren't just lounging around and living off other people he says when we were with you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it but in toil and labor we worked night and day that we might might not be a burden to any of you verse 9 because it was uh, it is not because we do not have that right We could have, as missionaries, come and passed the plate and had you support us, he said, but we did that, he said, to give you an example that you might imitate it. And while we could just state the negative in verse 6, I want to state the positive this way. Our community imperative is to model your life after hard workers, which goes beyond, I think, just making sure you earn your own paycheck. But the models in the Christian life for you ought to be those that you see that work hard, that are self-disciplined, that do the work of the Lord and do it, uh, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, uh, immovable, steadfast. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, which certainly includes your daily work, whatever it is to provide bread for you or your family. Uh, That is critical and foundational. But beyond that, I think modeling our lives after guys like the Apostle Paul, who are going to work hard, is our key community imperative today. And just the opposite would be in verse six that we never uh, model our lives after the idol. As a matter of fact, he says you ought to separate from them, that you are not, you know, bad company corrupts good morals, to quote 1 Corinthians 15 again. So we don't want to be a part of having that be the influence on our lives and say, yeah, I'm going to be someone like them that are uh, lazy or loafers, as I put it, when we dealt with a similar one another uh, when we were back in this book um, earlier in 2 Thessalonians. So community-impaired, model your life after hard workers. We'll get more into the post-exilic period as we get into chapter 3 of Ezra tomorrow and uh, then the great chapter about the resurrection in John 20 tomorrow. We'll see you then.